Welcome back to the Locked On Clemson podcast. Matt Smith is back here with you. We'll have Will Merritt join us again next week. Some of that time live from New Orleans as Will gets prepped up for the College Football National Championship, which, as you know, Clemson is once again a part of. Now, it's not all roses, lollipops, and rainbows in Clemson world. Brad Brownell and company are just 6-7. and seven. They've got NC State tomorrow. The women's basketball team fell to Louisville 75-50 to 50 on Thursday night. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is plummeting due to the U.S.-Iranian conflict, and there's nothing good on Netflix right now. But you can stomach it all because it's January 3rd. We're just 10 days away from Clemson's shot at back-to-back national championships, and we've got you covered here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Clemson, the most exciting 25 minutes in podcasting. Clemson going for back-to-back national championships, and it struck me last night, and I did a little research. I am pretty sure Clemson would be the first ACC team to win back-to-back national championships. Now, of course, there have been so many recognized champions over the years. You have the alphabet soup uh, when it comes to recognizing national champions But if we just go with the AP and then kind of the BCS era and now the college football playoff, Clemson would be the first ACC team to win back-to-back national championships. Also, Clemson would be the first three seed in the college football playoff era to win a national championship. And you might say, oh, well, that's something, maybe not that notable. Well, we've got history either way because LSU, if they can knock off Clemson, would become the first one seed to win in the college football playoff era. So far, it's a short history, but so far only two seeds and four seeds have won uh, in the college football playoff, in the, the which is something that keeps coming up because the playoff expansion has been talked about a little bit, and you get so many semifinal blowouts, and one of the talking points is that well, what what would we want another week of blowouts for if we already know the better team? Ah, as Lee Corso would say, not so fast, my friend. The higher-seeded team in the college football playoffs is just 8-9. and nine. So we're getting blowouts, but oftentimes it's not the blowout we expected. As a matter of fact, one sees the college football playoff committee, which I think has done a B-plus job so far. Um, I think there's some bones to pick when you go back through the college football playoff in terms of either seeding or one year or two years in terms of selection. But for the most part, they've done their job. But are they any better than you or me at telling us who the best team in the country is? I don't know. One seeds in the college football playoff era are just four and five. The one seed is as likely to lose to a lower seed or more likely to lose to a lower seeded team than it is to beat them. So that might be a little bit of chum for those that want to expand the playoff to eight teams. Yes, we're getting blowouts, but is it always the blowout we expected this year, this year in the crucible as we look at it? I think we could all agree there were only three worthy teams for the college football playoff, Clemson, Ohio State, and LSU. Nothing against Oklahoma. 
they probably were the most deserving of the teams uh, to land that number four spot because, you know, anybody else you start talking about, Georgia already lost to LSU. Alabama already lost to LSU. Utah and Oregon already lost to Auburn. Uh, Utah took a second loss and didn't win its conference championship. So I think we got the teams right. It just so happens in this year. The distance between LSU and whichever team you put in that four spot was going to be cavernous. And you got a great game with Clemson and Ohio State. So Clemson fans, maybe you can you can look back and you know enjoy that one a little bit more now uh, when you rewatch it, knowing you were the winners. Uh, Ohio State, I don't know uh, if Ohio State fans will rewatch it ever. It was a terrible gut punch for the Buckeyes. But that's something I've got my eye on is just the history of the college football playoff and what we see. We're going to see history one way or the other when Clemson and Ohio State meet in New Orleans. And as I said, Will Merritt's going to be there. So we'll check in with him coming up next week. What we'll do today is we'll have Pat Daniel join us from the Sports Talk Radio Network. He loves to track the Tigers. He loves to dig into the matchups. So we'll get his thoughts on that tempo of the game, third down advantages and disadvantages. And this Today's Locked on Clemson podcast, not for the faint of heart, actually, because we're going to talk a little bit about what might be keeping Brent Venables up at night, where LSU might have an advantage over Clemson. One other note I wanted to bring to you today here in our first segment is how the betting is going in Las Vegas between Clemson and LSU. And right now it's lopsided. It is in favor of LSU. There is no other way to spin it. Um Right now, the people in the desert took that early money and jumped all over the Bayou Bengals. Now, that pushed the line from four and a half to five and a half. Now, one of the aspects to this is some of these pro bettors know that they still have time. Uh, so, you know, sometimes you get head fakes. Uh, they go one way or the other just to move the number. But let's put that aside for a moment. Just assume uh, that this is legitimate, that most of the people who bet for a living like LSU in this game. Well, let's see how that's gone so far in bowl season. Uh, just I'm going to give you a couple of games here. SMU took 74% over the money over Florida Atlantic. The betters on that one were way off. FAU clobbered the SMU Mustangs as underdogs 52-28. to 28. Florida International took 77% of the money over Arkansas State. Wrong again. Arkansas, Arkansas State ended up edging Florida International 34-26 as underdogs. App State took 79% of the money over UAB as huge favorites. The Mountaineers handled the Blazers 31-17. Most of us in the South know App State's a pretty good program. But the Mountaineers didn't cover the big number of 17. Now, those weren't marquee games drawing a lot of interest in it's nothing like a college football playoff or national championship game. So let's just take a quick look at a couple of headline games closer to New Year's Day that would have drawn a television rating a little bit better, you know, better than, I don't know, the Party of Five reboot. Um, Auburn got 68% of the money bet on it, but lost outright to Minnesota. So some SEC backers there, and they took a bath on that one. Alabama took 67% of the money, and they covered easily over Michigan. Might chalk that one up to the fact that Jim Harbaugh's lost four bowl games in a row and he can't seem to win anything big with the Wolverines. Florida took 68% of the money bet in the Orange Bowl with Virginia, but didn't cover that big number of 14 or 16 and a half, depending on when you got it. So just a little lesson there that uh, just because the money is on LSU doesn't mean they know anything 
that you don't. And if you're wondering how the money was split with Clemson and Ohio State, I can tell you that too. Uh, you might recall the Tigers were two and a half point favorites over the Buckeyes, and the support in terms of money was split almost right down the middle. This is one we've got to give the betters a lot of credit. Uh, that looks pretty smart now as that game went right to the wire, decided in the final minute by an interception in the end zone. So just a little glance at how some of the money works in Las Vegas, where it's headed. Right now, it's all headed in LSU's direction. About 74% of the bets placed in Las Vegas have been placed on LSU. Push that number up to 5.5. Now, of course, Dabo Sweeney probably loves that. Just more for him to play the disrespect card, talk about the Roy bus. All right, we'll take our first break here on the Locked on Clemson podcast. When we come back, we'll dig back into the game. Pat Daniels, Sports Talk Radio Network, joins us. We'll break down matchups, Travis Etienne versus LSU linebackers. Where is LSU's defense susceptible? Where is it? Who's the better quarterback in this matchup? Trevor Lawrence is as good as anyone in the country, but is Joe Burrow going to have the better game, the Heisman Trophy winner? We'll dig into that and more when we come back. It's your team every day, Locked On Clemson on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's our 29th win in a row. We scored 29 points. They didn't do anything tonight that I didn't already know. Unbelievable character and heart and a will to win. And that's the one thing I told them is they can prepare for what we do but not who we are. Our heart would win out in the end. 94-yard drive to win it. We got to stop right there. Let me just tell you, Ohio State was amazing. What an amazing team, an amazing challenge. But this football team tonight showed what the heart of a champion looks like. To win 29 in a row, you got to have something to you. And you saw what they're made of tonight. Unbelievable game. Probably got some pretty good ratings on TV. But let me just tell you, to God be the glory. Every single bit of it. Pat Daniel joining us. Pat works with me on the Sports Talk Radio Network. And, of course, he has been covering the Clemson Tigers. And he is starting to zero in on those matchups between LSU and Clemson in the game coming up January 13th. Pat, I don't know what you do with LSU. If you try to put pressure on Joe Burrow, well, that's going to leave you exposed on the back end. So it's a pick-your-poison situation. First of all, which one do you think Clemson will do based on what you see, you've seen from Brent Venables? And also, which one do you think is more dangerous against LSU based on Clemson's personnel? So looking back at, at Venables' track record and what he's done, not only in the regular season, but also in postseason matchups, he loves to trust his secondary and have single coverage man coverage on the outside with his receivers, and then bring pressure. You saw it last year. That was how they got into two attack below his head. Uh, in particular, in the first half of that game, was they were just bringing the house. They were bringing three, four, five, six guys every single play and allowing their secondary to have single coverage. And that pressure got to him, forcing those turnovers in the first half. I believe we'll see the same approach this year against Joe Burrow. Now, the difference in Tagovailoa and Burrow, they're both exceptional quarterbacks. They both are known for their field vision, for their accuracy. Burrow this year, he has yet to have a game where he's thrown under, I think it was 71 or 72% completion percentage. I think it'll be Venables' goal to, to help decrease that number. 
he's going to try to hold him into the 60% range, somewhere in there. And I think bringing pressure, uh, take advantage of the fact that you have four really good defensive ends that you can rotate in and out and just constantly bring in new, fresh legs to continue to bring the blitz. That's where my money would be this year, Smitty. Oh, well, well, what about the tempo of the game? Because the two times Clemson has gotten into a game where they were in peril this season, on the road at North Carolina, and then in the semifinal game in the Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State, in both of those games, Clemson ran, I think, 63, 61 plays, somewhere in their neighborhood, and both times they were bettered in time of possession. So the game plan from Ohio State and North Carolina was, well, limit Clemson's possessions. Limit the amount of times you've, you've got to face Trevor Lawrence dropping back or Travis Etienne running the football. Well, that's not LSU's game plan at all on a normal basis. They want to get out as many plays as they can play up-tempo. So take it from both sides. If you were getting giving advice to LSU about how to deal with Clemson, what would you say? And then from the other perspective, if you're Clemson, do you want to be in a shootout against LSU and face that defense multiple times and, and all those plays? Or do you want it to be a tight game, 24-17, 28-24, more of a rock fight with very few red zone opportunities, more punts, fewer possessions? Which one's better for Clemson, and what advice would you give to LSU? First thing, going back to that North Carolina game earlier in the season, it seemed almost as if Mac Brown was showing the, the blueprint on how to beat Clemson. The fact they were able to get it into just a one-point game and just Clemson narrowly escaping with victory, it's interesting that more teams haven't copied that mm-hmm. up until we saw Ohio State. Now, whether that's just the, the level of play that Clemson was facing in the ACC and now you are facing a much better offense that was Ohio State, I can't say. But we do know LSU is a juggernaut offensively. Ohio State was good, but LSU is almost otherworldly the numbers they have been putting up this year. The initial instinct is that I don't think you'd want to get into a shootout with them. But personally, I would put more trust in Venables and the Clemson defense than I would in LSU's defense. So what I mean by that is if you have a shootout, I think we'd be more likely to see Clemson stop LSU's offense than we would to see LSU stop Clemson's offense. So personally, I would go for the shootout approach and trust that defense to even if you're talking 42 to 30 or 35 to 24 type score, I think that would be preferable than something in the 20s like UNC was able to do. You want to get Trevor Lawrence as many possessions as possible and trust your defense to at least stop Burrow two, three, four times throughout the whole game and hope that's enough to be successful. Yeah, that I think that's absolutely fascinating. And it might be a situation where we know by halftime what type of game it is, and that's going to be something to watch. And whether or not Dabo Sweeney is is going to get what he wants, whichever way he wants to go, whichever you know, against Ohio State, they fell behind, and that meant Clemson was going to have to speed things up and score some points. All right, so along those same lines, if we keep talking about matchups, what's the one thing that concerns you if you're on Clemson's side and you're Brent Venables and you're breaking down this tape, or even if you're on the offensive side and you're Tony Elliott, what's the one thing that you're afraid LSU can do that you have no answer for? Clemson doesn't have a lot of weaknesses, but what's the one thing you think would keep you up at night? The one matchup that I, that worries me a little bit for Clemson is from an offensive standpoint, Travis Etienne. If we look back at his entire career to this point, his three years, 
He's set all sorts of records at Clemson. We're all fully aware of it. His yards per carry, he is a phenomenal talent when he has space. But when he has come up against SEC defenses, he's not fared so well. So in his career, he has faced seven SEC teams, and he has only broken 100 yards in one of those contests. And that was in the 2018 season against South Carolina, where he had 23 carries for 150 yards. We look at the main postseason matchups especially. 2017, his freshman year, four carries for 22 yards. Not, not a whole lot of attempts, but still. The next year, 2018, against Texas A&M, he had eight carries for 44 yards. Bama, 14 carries for 86 yards. Uh, this year thus far, South Carolina, 15 carries for 51 yards. Texas A&M, 16 for 53. So he has not performed great. LSU knows that. They now are welcoming back their linebacker, Michael Divinity Jr., who's been missing since early November, if he's able to come in and clog up those gaps and make it difficult for ETN to find running room, that's a distinct advantage for LSU. Second down field, scans downfield, fires to the end zone, it's intercepted, picked off by Nolan Turner, and the Tigers are not going to be dethroned tonight. They'll punch their ticket to New Orleans. This is the Locked On Clemson podcast. We've got Pat Daniel joining us from the Sports Talk Radio Network. And we've still got some ground to cover, including what Clemson's going to do on third down against LSU. Now, we know what Clemson's answer was, what we saw Tony Elliott dial up against Ohio State. The difference in that one? Probably both the screens to Travis Etienne and the big runs from Trevor Lawrence. But what if LSU has an antidote for Trevor Lawrence? What if their team speed is enough to keep Lawrence in the pocket? What if they spy Lawrence? Who steps up for Clemson? Third and five, third and seven. Where do you go if you're Clemson's offense? Great yep. point there. That, that has been missing from the Clemson offense all year long. With the absence of Braden Galloway all season or any really capable receiving tight end, and you no longer have the third and Renfro on the outside, you can't just throw it to Hunter Renfro on third and five, third and eight every single time. You don't have that this year. So who will step up? Braden Galloway, we thought might have more of an impact in the Ohio State game, did not really do much. Will he be a playmaker here and open up the middle of the field on those third downs? That's yet to be determined. But that is a very intriguing matchup there, or a very intriguing piece to this game, is who does Clemson turn to on those third and mid-yardage plays? Because you're right. They will not be surprised by Trevor Lawrence running the ball. They will will be ready for that. We might see their defense have a spy here and there uh, in anticipation of that. Somebody for Clemson has to step up, whether it's Amari Rogers, whether it's Galloway, or even ETN out of the backfield, he, had some, he, he was the leading receiver in the game against Ohio State. Will he step up again? That will be a focal point. Pat Daniel joining us, Sports Talk Radio Network. Uh, Pat, something I promised we would get to, which yeah. is the talk about the playoffs expanding to eight teams. Now, my initial take is 
I, I can see both sides of the argument either to expanding or keeping it the way it is. But from a Clemson perspective, my 10-second take was that'd be bad for the Tigers. That I actually think they're in one of the best positions in college football. I think maybe Clemson and Ohio State, even Oklahoma, you could put in there. They're going to be in the mix most seasons. And expanding, it would actually just add a layer to Clemson. Am I missing anything or do you agree with that? I would agree with that to an extent. I will throw out, personally, the number six is what is more intriguing to me, expanding to six games as opposed to eight. I like the idea. Look at the NFL playoffs. You have the best teams earn and compete for and earn a first-round bye. I think if you allow the number one and number two seeds to have a first-round bye, you then have the three play the six, the four play the five. We may not have as many people like this year, Georgia, arguing that maybe they should have still snuck in over Oklahoma. And then we saw Oklahoma get just blown out by LSU. We would have fewer blowouts if we stuck to went to six teams as opposed to eight, because then you would no longer have the one versus four. You would just get those preliminary games out of the way, and then maybe actually have the best out of the three versus six play the play the one or play the two seed. So that's what I like more. To your point of whether that would hurt teams like Clemson and Ohio State, absolutely. It no matter even if you're the diehard most diehard Clemson fan out there. The ACC schedule is still not what the SEC schedule is. By, f- by having more postseason games, you're now having a team play more competent opponents. You're now playing tougher postseason matchups than you would have otherwise. So that's just one more potential roadblock or place where you might trip up if you're a Clemson or an Ohio State or any other team for that matter. The same could be said for an SEC champion. But you just have to think they're a little more experienced in that than Clemson may be. All right, and let me stick it to you then, because I, I think that's similar. You, you kind of got the Ohio State game right. You were pretty close. Let's see how good you can be. Will it be Clemson's defense that comes up either with the turnover, the way they did against Ohio State or the big stop against North Carolina, or will be it will be a late score? Lawrence, ETN, Higgins, Ross, who's going to be the hero here? The offense, the defense, or maybe even a, a, a BT Potter kick for, for the special teams? Defense. I still just like Clemson's defense. I know Burrow has faced some great defenses in the SEC. They have not faced a defense as schematically sound as Clemson's is. All right, and... Now, here's the question. We may not get back to you, Pat, before the game kicks, so I don't know. What's your gut tell you? What's the score? That, that'll tell us what kind of tempo we're going to get. What What do you think here it is? I, I'm going to guess you like Clemson over LSU in this one. I do, slightly. I think the game will be played in the 30s. I think Clemson will have 35, where I'm a little struggling. I keep going back and forth on is whether LSU wins 38-35 or Clemson wins 35-31. My initial gut is Clemson wins the ballgame 35-31 over LSU, winning their second national championship in a row in third and four years.